TCU had two really uh, young and talented defensive players hit the portal on Tuesday. Is it time to hit the panic button? I don't think it is, but I'll tell you why. This is a concerning trend. We'll talk about it next here on Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frog, your team every day. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts in its audio variety. So TCU had a couple more players hit the transfer portal uh, on Tuesday, and two of them were young, talented players from that 2023 class. They already lost Cordell Russell to the portal. Um, he's considering other options, the top-rated wide receiver, top-rated prospect in that class, who didn't really play much at all this past season. And two other young guys on the other side of the ball, uh, Randon Fontenet, the safety um, from Brazosport, uh, who actually, I mean, played significant snaps in his first season. Now, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't a starter, right? He was kind of mixing in and out with some of those older safeties. But it felt like him and Jamal Johnson were the future of that position for sure. And then Jonathan Bax also hit the portal. Um, now, both these guys had, uh, I guess, intriguing years. Bax got a lot of hype might be the wrong word because I, I feel like when I talk about hype, hype comes from like fans, media, that type of thing. Um, the coaching staff is talking about Jonathan Bax. Like Sonny Dykes mentioned that he had a really good fall camp. Uh, Joe Gillespie uh, talked to the media and said, like, yeah, this is a guy that we think we can use in a variety of different ways. And so there was sort of an expectation with a defensive line that was losing Dylan Horton and having some shuffling going on. Maybe Bax could be the type of player in this three-three-five scheme that could come from different angles, create pressure, create havoc as a linebacker, uh, and that didn't happen. Of course, we you know realize now that Joe Gillespie has continued his trend of playing very conservatively on defense, right, like his scheme. Um, he doesn't really believe in bringing a lot of extra pressure, simulated pressure, even like twists and stunts along the defensive line. He didn't do that much this past season. 18% blitz rate, um, according to Pro Football Focus, this past year. And Bax didn't play a lot of snaps. Now, Fontenet, you know, as the season went on, he got more run. Um, and he wasn't a starter, but he was somebody that would that was in the rotation there at the safety spot. And when, uh, when Chance Biddle moved on last week, he was one of the players I mentioned that I was like, well, you know, Chance, um, I wish him the best. But honestly, there were some true freshmen that were getting run and playing time ahead of him. And so he probably saw the right on the wall and thought it was best to explore other options. Um, well, I guess, uh, you know, Randon kind of felt the same way for whatever reason. And so this is confusing to me. I mean, I think it's definitely concerning. Um, it's another young player that was highly rated coming out of high school that after one season is deciding to move on. And, you know, the portal gives and the portal takes. Greg Thompson emailed me yesterday, and he was just talking about how it's kind of hard to be a college football fan now um, because you can't really get attached to these players. You know, he saw Cordell at one of the open practices and was super impressed by just his physical build and his size and thought, man, this guy's going to be a player. And then within one year or really one semester, like he's moving on um, potentially to the next place. And so the portal is exciting because I talked about yesterday's show, like all the different opportunities 
you have to add talent, all the different players, and you can discuss like, okay, who is this player? Like, would they be a good fit for your offense or defense? What's their background? What did they do with their last stop? And all that's really fun. The flip side of that is you also are concerned constantly about keeping guys happy, making sure um, they feel good where they're at, they're getting, you know, the right playing time, that they're um, feeling valued. And if they don't, then there's potential for them to hit the portal. We are all kind of just recklessly speculating right now um, because there hasn't been a lot of reporting as to why this is going on. I, I did see a lot of folks online yesterday talking about they thought this was Joe Gillespie's fault, that, you know, his defense and his defensive scheme, the players don't believe in it. I don't really think that's the case. I mean, I, I feel like these these guys aren't sitting around the locker room, like discussing the intricacies of 335 and his philosophy and the different things that he's doing. Now, maybe they looked at this past year and thought to themselves, man, you know, this, this is not the defense that we signed up for, we want to be a part of. Um, and possibly that was part of it. But I feel like players, when they're evaluating things, they're thinking more about themselves and their impact. And I could understand Fontenet's frustration with not getting more playing time when uh, the safeties in front of him are struggling so much. You know, when you're watching guys that have been here a long time, but like Mark Perry and Bud Clark and Josh Foster um, are getting beat deep or are struggling to tackle in space. And he's on the sidelines like, man, I wish I could get in there and make plays. At the same time, I mean, those guys did a lot of great things for the program. Um you would think they have a better understanding of the defense. Even late in the season, they still would have a better grasp of what their responsibilities are. And so it's it's a hard thing to balance as a coach. And obviously we're not there in practice every day. But this is a concerning trend for Sonny, Sonny Dykes in general. Like I'm, I'm not really uh, putting this on Joe Gillespie as much as I am. Like why, do we, why have we seen, you know, in the two years that he's been here um, just – uh, an influx of guys that come in with a lot of hype, a lot of expectation. And then within one season, they're already at the portal. Matt Jennings put this out on Twitter um, yesterday. He said four of the top six highest rated recruits from Sunny Dyke's first two classes of TCU have wound up in the portal. Jordan Hudson, Chance Biddle, Cordell Russell, and Radon Fontenet. And I mean, we'll see what happens with Fontenet and backs. I don't know where they're going to go. Um, of course, in Jordan Hudson's case, he didn't exactly set the world on fire at SMU, but there was talent there. TCU used him sparingly in his first season, and if he was still, you know, in the room there with Malcolm Kelly, you would hope that he would develop and turn into a, a more productive player. With Cordell Russell, you would love to have seen in year two and year three what the growth and development is. Part of this is just college football in today's world, right? Like these guys, they they want to play right away. Um you know, there's NIL involved now. I don't know if somebody gotten, you know, backs and Fontenot's ears and we're like, hey, come on to, you know, place X, Y, Z and we'll pay you more or we can use you better, whatever the case may be. Maybe they're using it as negative recruiting tactics given that TCU had a bad season. Um, but TCU has to find a way to do a better job of keeping these guys in the fold, right? Like, yes, it's happening across the country, but it doesn't, change the fact that this is still a concerning trend for this specific program. And you wonder, you know, what the disconnect is, what message is not getting across. that's not keeping these guys uh, in, in the system and, and staying the course. And if it's about playing time, I mean, I don't really get that because at least in Fontenet's case, like he's 
he's going to be playing this upcoming season. Like he would be projected to start. Like he'd be my favorite to start at one of those safety spots. Um, he's going to be involved in this defense in a big way. And I, I thought he was going to be like one of those foundational pieces moving forward. So I, I get why he would be upset about not playing this past season, but this year you're going to get plenty of opportunities. And if you stay, you know, with this team, with this defense, with a system that you understand, uh, you would think that you're going to have more success. Now you have to go start over somewhere else. I don't know where he's going to end up, but he'll be going to a new coaching staff. I uh, don't know what the depth chart looks like, potentially learning new defense. I just, if it's about playing time, that confuses me because in my mind, I'm like, okay, I understand the frustration of you're, you didn't get to play this year. And maybe you looked on the field and you were like, why am I not getting playing time when this defense is struggling so much? And when we're, you know, not in Big 12 title contention, we're not playing for anything. What what's what's the disconnect? But this season is supposed to be the year where you really take over. So it, it's unfortunate that for whatever reason he feels like he has to move on. And with Jonathan Bax, um, you know, I, I just love to know like he was talked about so much in in preseason camp. What happened during the year where he didn't get more chances to play? And if if he is effective at getting the quarterback or an athlete and can move sideline to sideline, why weren't we seeing him featured, you know, on, on a weekly basis, um, at least in some capacity, uh, to, to give him an opportunity to get some snaps? And, you know, the idea of, like, redshirting guys, I just don't even know, like, I don't, I don't know how much you can be concerned about that at this point because – the guys have extra years of eligibility. Like you have those four games that you can work with. I, I'm just, I don't think coaches are sitting around like they were 10 years ago, worrying about preserving somebody's red shirt. Um, I, I, I know to a certain extent they are, but I just feel like that's, that's kind of a silly thing to be worried about at this point in time. So um, we'll see where both those guys end up. Uh, Giante McMillan, who's a corner and has played a lot of special teams the last few years. He also hit the portal. Listen, we're not seeing like a max a mass exodus here, right? Like this is not 20, 25 guys hitting the portal. There's still time, so we'll still see a few more names, I'm sure. But at the same time, um, you definitely want guys that are bought in and you, you want everybody to be um, ready to play. And if they don't want to be here at TCU, then, yeah, go ahead and move on somewhere else. But I just – I have questions for Sonny Dykes and – what is happening? Is it is it a issue with evaluating players? Like, are you not evaluating players properly? Um, and you maybe you think they're ready to contribute right away and they're not, or maybe you think their attitude is they're going to totally bind the system and then they get on campus and they won't. I know there's some unknown variables here, um, but what's what's going on behind the scenes that's leading to some of these early departures? Because, I mean, you got three transfers now that that hurt like it's not going to hurt you so much and that you're you're not replacing production from this past season but these are guys that you were counting on to be you know impact starters really in Fontenet's case and Russell's case starting next year in Bax's case maybe potentially next year maybe it would be in 2025 uh and so that's that's a problem and the coaching staff has to figure out what's what's gone wrong and how to prevent that from continuing that cycle to continue to go down uh, because it's going to hurt your depth eventually and your talent level eventually too. And we'll see how TCU kind of changes their, their strategy in the portal moving forward with these players now out of the fold. When we come back, um, 
Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA, he has some ideas about college football, and maybe we will soon see the Power Five or Power Four completely split from everyone else. We'll talk about what that means next year on Lockdown Horn Frogs. All right, we live in a crazy time, guys, and Jace Medical is here to help. They're here to help you uh, have your freedom to take care of yourself and your family in, in the case of an emergency. Um, when it comes to sports, we try to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. Like when we talk about preparing for real life for a minute, according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in a decade. That can be scary. That can make you worry. Um, it, it's hard to imagine more helpless feeling then if, if one of your kids got sick or, and there was a supply chain issue that kept them from having the medication they needed, thankfully, Jace Medical is here to help. They have a Jace case that has five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including respiratory infections, sinus issues, skin infections, among others. These things can happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispersed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of a regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Again, that's jacemedical.com. You can get $20 off with that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get those five antibiotics. So you can take care of yourself and your family in case of emergency, if you run into supply chain issues, or whatever the case may be, jacemedical.com. Visit there today. So Charlie Baker from the NCAA spoke yesterday, and it's always funny in today's day and age when uh, when the NCAA decides they're going to kind of get back in the in the foray and give opinions because people don't really respect the NCAA anymore. Well, I should say in football, right? Like in basketball and in some of the ancillary sports, they still have a big uh, presence. But in football, the college football playoff governs the FBS subdivision. And for the most part, you know, there's still rules, obviously. But if the NCAA comes with any sort of violation, teams just kind of say, all right, we're going to lawyer up and we'll see in court. And in a lot of cases over the last five years or so, players and in these universities are winning these battles against the NCAA. But uh, Charlie Baker – uh, launched a proposal. Now, this was just a suggestion. This was not legislation. This was just, hey, this is something that we're thinking about. A forward-thinking framework that gives educational institutions with the most visibility and the most financial resources the opportunity to operate with a different set of rules that reflect their scale and uh, their operating model. So the short version is he's suggesting that the Power Four conferences um, he doesn't say that explicitly, but conferences and uh, universities with the most resources create their own subdivision. So right now we have the full the uh, football subdivision, right? Um, the FBS, which those teams can go to the college football playoff. And then you have the FCS, the football championship subdivision, which used to be division two, but that's like North Dakota, um, Duquesne, schools like that that have their own playoff. And then you have Division Two and Division Three. Well, Baker's suggesting that the schools with most resources create their own subdivision separate from the FBS. So we could be looking at in the next few years a situation where the Power Four, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, um, and move on, and in the SEC, and they create their own sort of league, right, with their own rules and. The, the big kind of bombshell here 
or the big development here is he's suggesting that with that, schools could start to compensate athletes directly through NIL. So right now, with NIL, businesses are doing it, or you have collectives that are giving athletes money. Um, they work with the school's compliance office as far as, hey, we're just you know checking the, the P's and Q's, making sure everything is uh, done properly, that everything's above board. But the actual money is not coming from a school. It's coming from other institutions. This would be a scenario where the, the universities that um, have the resources and feel like they're able to do this could start giving money to athletes directly. And uh, there's a lot of interesting things that could happen there. I know for, in TCU's case, from what I've heard and kind of what I've gathered, the Flying T Club is doing a great job. They're sort of the collective that is running TCU NIL at the moment. Um, but they're having issues like donors who have been for years, they've been used to giving directly to university for facilities, for, uh, you know, coaching salaries, for those kind of things, right? Um, for expansion of the stadium, building a new performance center, whatever the case may be. Um, they've been doing that for years, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, now we need you to give money to this other thing that's going to go directly to the players, and there's been – just some confusion and it's, it's been tough to get everybody on board. And so if everything went through the school, there's maybe some hope that people would be like, okay, I've done this before. I can donate directly to TCU. TCU could then turn around and pay quarterback X or linebacker Y or whatever the case may be. And they can make those decisions and it would be a little more transparent. Um, and hopefully we'd get some more information on what, is happening, you know, who's who's getting what, who's getting paid, how much are they getting paid? Because right now, like, all this is very secretive. Like, we hear vague numbers. You know, we heard Nick Saban that first year the NIL was about, uh, or that was coming about, say, like, oh, yeah, Bryce Young's making over a million dollars. And everybody was kind of like, what? It was like, yeah, that's, you know, we got him taken care of. Um, but then we've also heard stories like with Jaden Rashada, who signed that big deal with a Florida collective, and then – uh, at the last minute, they were kind of like, actually, we don't know if we can pay you that. And so he said, all right, well, I'm going to move on and go somewhere else. And he ends up at Arizona State. Um, there's been some guys from Texas A&M that were part of that 2022 class that was ranked number one in the country. Um, and then they had a disappointing season, and a lot of those players moved on the transfer portal. But some of those players have come out. Evan Stewart, um, or Evan, uh, I think it was Evan Stewart maybe, came out recently and was like, actually, we didn't see – that money. Like there were people were talking about how we're making millions of dollars. We didn't see a lot of that cash that was promised to us. And so more transparency would be good, but we are, we are moving closer and closer to uh, a time and place where the power four conferences kind of govern themselves and make their own rules and crown a national champion and go about it that way. Now, I think this could be good for the Big 12 because at the moment they're kind of right there in the mix with the SEC and Big 10 and ACC. We'll see what happens with the ACC. There were rumors and a lot of thoughts about how restless Florida State was and they weren't happy with the ACC. And that's increased now since they didn't make the playoff after going undefeated. And so there's a thought that maybe Clemson and Florida State could move on to the Big 10. Uh, I, I think the, the thing that the Big 12 has to guard against now is – are the Big Ten and the SEC just going to become the power two and create their own <clears throat> league with 40 teams, right? And that's the big concern 
for the Big 12 moving forward. But right now they seem to be in the mix. Um, this would be a, a university decision. So the university itself would decide whether or not they want to be part of this new subdivision in Charlie Baker's proposal. But a conference could mandate it. So the Big 12 could say, hey, if you're going to be in the Big 12, everybody has to have the resources and the ability to be part of the subdivision and to be able to pay these players, you know, a certain amount of money. Um, so it's a fascinating time in college football. And it feels like we're moving closer to, you know, that ultimate goal that a lot of these power uh, conferences have, these power conference commissioners and these universities have, <clears throat> where they kind of get to create their own rules and do things themselves. Now, there can be a whole nother bag of worms that gets opened up with that. Like at that point, the players are players able to unionize? Are they able to do we have a players association in college football that is suddenly negotiating with the powers that be? That would be a crazy thing, but that's the type of thing that could happen, you know, if the university starts playing these guys directly and they become employees, right? And so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But Charlie Baker from the NCAA is actually proposing that now. He's formally laid it out there that this could be a possibility in the coming years and in here in the future. Um, I'll get some of your audience reaction and some of your comments next year on Lockdown Horn Frogs. If you want to bet on the NFL, the best place to do it is at FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. They've still got this deal going on right now. You put a $5 money line bet down. And uh, if you hit on it, if you win it, you get $150 in bonus bets. That's a $5 money line bet. And if you win, you get $150 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. You can also download the FanDuel app. It's safe and easy to use, um, easy to navigate, which is fantastic. And so you can do parlays there. You can do money line bets, just bet against the spread, whatever it is that you're interested in. It's available there on FanDuel.com slash Lockdown or you can uh, use that FanDuel app, get it started today. FanDuel.com slash Lockdown, uh, sponsor here of the Lockdown Network. Uh, just a couple like assorted news and notes in the Big 12. It's being reported this morning that Colin Klein, Kansas State Offensive Coordinator, will take the same position at Texas A&M. Um, Colin Klein is a star in the industry. He's 34 years old. <clears throat> I think this is good news for TCU. Now, Chris Kleiman, I'm sure we'll find a replacement that will do a competent job. But Colin Klein is really good at what he does. And uh, the thought of him with a fast athletic quarterback like Avery Johnson over the next few years is pretty scary. And so I'm really interested to see what he does in the SEC um, with all that talent that he'll have at A&M and kind of the way their offenses have been set up in the past. But that's a good hire by Mike Elko. And Notre Dame went after him. I think there was another school that went after him recently, and he declined. I mean, he's a K-State guy, obviously, like played there and <clears throat> almost won the Heisman Trophy when he was there late in Bill Snyder's tenure. So um, that's home for him. And for them to go poach him, that's a big deal. But a uh, really good hire by Texas A&M. And I'm personally happy to not have to worry about TCU facing Colin Klein in the near future. Um and they won't face Kansas State at all next year unless they meet him in the Big 12 championship game, which would be fascinating to see that play out. Uh, also, TCU women's basketball, they stay undefeated. They won last night against Abilene Christian, 77-60. to I got off to a really hot start in that game and then kind of had a sloppy second quarter. They only led by four at halftime, but immediately came out in the second half and responded really well. Sedona Prince had 24 points on 10-15 of shooting. 
I mean, at six seven, I think the tallest Abilene Christian player was six one. They just didn't have much of an answer for her on on the inside. Uh, Madison Connor continues her amazing start to the season: twenty nine points, nine of nineteen from three. She's a sniper, man. I mean, she she pulled up in rhythm the other night off the dribble and hit one. Um, she can catch and shoot. She can come off screens. She does it all. So TCU women's basketball, they continue to roll along and get it done. Mark Campbell doing a great job out there. Um, Jerry mentioned this on in the YouTube comments yesterday. He said, I wish kids had to spend two years out of high school before entering the portal. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I don't know if they'll go back to that. You know, with the one free transfer, there's so much freedom of movement now. Um, but I would be in favor of, you know, especially with NIL deals, if you could – sign a more, I guess, rigorous contract agreement that would be like, all right, you have to commit to a certain number of years at the school. And that would allow you to maybe see things play out more. Right. So like for these guys, like uh, Randon Fontenet and Jonathan Bax, Cordell Russell, maybe a year or two would be beneficial because they would say, okay, you continue to work hard. You can get on the field, you can get more experience and it can end up being a good thing for you. Um, but I'm, I'm skeptical that they'll go to that, even though I, I really do like that idea. Um, Mr. Doug said Brazel will be a really nice get. Uh, yeah, Chris Brazel, um, the wide receiver from Tulane, uh, he uh, is in the portal, and his dad, Shannon, was a, a is a TCU Hall of Famer, played linebacker here in the early 2000s. And so he mentioned on Twitter that he's really working hard to get his son to TCU. It would be a great get. <clears throat> um, but Doug said that, what TCU really needs is offensive defensive linemen. Yes, they need starters in that position in 2024. So that's got to be the big push for this team. Um, Macy said, come on, Braylon James, wide receiver from Notre Dame. Yep, Braylon James, a lot of potential there, young player. I think TCU is going to be highly involved with him as well. Um, and those are some of the names to know. The, this is the fun part of the transfer portal, right? Like I talked about the disappointing part of the transfer portal earlier where we got guys that are moving on after one year and it's tough to know, like, man, could you just stick with it for one more season or, you know, at least through the spring, just to see like where you're at in the depth chart and see how this coaching staff can develop you. But players are just so, they're so quick to move on now, right? Like they want to be great. They want to um, get it done and get on the field. And so if they're not getting those opportunities, they're ready to move on to, to greener pastures per se. So we'll see where those players end up here as, uh, yeah, the portal continues to churn along. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll continue to cover, you know, movement um, with the TCU football team. We also got TCU and Clemson basketball coming up um, this Saturday, which will be a big matchup for the men's basketball team. So that's all coming up later this week here on Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day.